Hey guys, welcome back to Become Better Podcast. Oh, I'm I'm pretty surprised everyone really really liked the first episode. I am so I am so happy actually. I'm just like wow, like got some good feedback and like even people friends um, in the industry are like replying back to us. It's really, it's been really good, and I hope that you guys like this part too as well. Um, yeah, I was like, yeah, we were like quite nervous ourselves releasing this um, part series, but we are very very happy with the with the results. Um, yeah, and I hope you like this episode. This episode we talk, we kind of really dive deeper into the mental health side of it and like a lot of other things as well um yeah I should stop blabbing again I hope you like this episode as well and we'll see you back for the last episode see you living in the generation where you can speak so speak mm. kids like yeah thanks for that oh my god it's so good <laughs> yeah well i hope you got some content you know like uh, you know it, when i saw you start doing this podcast thing i was i was really excited for you because i was like oh good i'm glad to and when you sent me your itinerary list which i hate reading by the way but sorry i'm, I'm no i'm getting better because i have to oh, i have okay. to Oh, so, no, I didn't no, mean to. No, 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 no. It's very good because I need structure and organised stuff. <laughs> as much as I am, in some ways, my, yeah. my little ailments tend to throw me off from being organised. You know? But when I saw that, I was like, oh, she's still a chef. I was like, look at that knees on <laughs> I bet she can't wait to cross those off. But I, I love the structure of it. And you actually wanted to talk about some really... Yeah, some but real, you kind of already yeah. said most of it, but like I will kind of kind. Yeah, I did read it. Did I it. promised I read it. <laughs> I tried to I tried to add in all these things for you that were kind yeah, of in it's your thing, so but, good. But yeah. if it's, you 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 do your thing because this is your podcast yeah. and you can edit and do whatever you want and you can just. Oh, so good! Thanks. <laughs> um, and then thanks for sharing. Like you know, like when I'm there, I am like I always had that funnel tunnel vision oh yeah 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 that's yep. that i feel like i was tunnel vision all my like like when i was chefing like yeah, yeah. pretty much so like yeah. you saying all those stuff yeah. i was like wow yeah, it's like, <laughs> like it's like whoa well, like you know i thought i like you said i thought i was much worse like no, no. i feel so much better knowing that me sharing my story with you you realize that you just felt everything that I felt at the same time. Obviously, mine was, it's not a competition, but I was yeah, more yeah. fucked up than what you were getting. But mm. what I was really proud of is when I walked into the kitchen with Carl, as much as he was really strict and really stern, and he gave me Marco vibes, that's why I, I messaged him once on Instagram to mm. say, look, this, this place I'm working at is fucked. I hate it. They're trying to get a microwave menu in, and I can't fucking stand for that. Mm. I invited him in to come in for lunch, and then I had a meltdown the day before because I'd worked 10 weeks straight without a break and my sous chef had walked out and you know yeah. it, was, it was just fucked basically from the beginning anyway and they were just trying to save money you know that kind of shit so anyway yeah I, I, I just messaged Kyle out of desperation I was like bro I just want to get in the kitchen bro I just want to cook again I've lost my partner of 10 years she just 
fucking left me. Mm. I'm, I don't want to get back into the old habits. You know, I didn't really, I've never really opened up to Kyle and told him what he did for me. But mm. if it wasn't for Kyle Street, like, and like, I never wanted to tell him this to his face because I don't want to inflate his ego. Because I know, like, at the time when we were younger, you know, he was hot shit. You know, he was hot shit and he still is hot shit. And his food is fucking everything that I wished um, I was producing at the time because he got to be playful and a kid. Mm. But he made the classics that made you you feel like you had a hug. And that's what I was missing. I was missing my authenticity. Mm. You know, and he's doing McFlurry kind of vibes and Mac Daddies and all this shit. And I'm just like, oh, I love his work. I love his work, but I'm so angry at you because you didn't give me a sous chef position. And how, how shit of me. But one thing I loved about him was his intensity. When you watch him play, and he made me feel what chefs were again, you know, like when I watched him play, because he really took it seriously, you know, really took it seriously. And he knew I took it seriously. Mm. And um, we did vibe on that, but we did challenge each other a lot. And I challenged him a lot because, you know, I just, males and authority and someone younger than me and pride mm. and ego. And, you know, I expected to go in higher than I was because I was a head chef and being profiled at that mm. point. But I got knocked down to a demi-chef de party which normally if I do it myself for myself, which I've always done in my career, when I feel mm. like I need to knock back, that was quite hard for me to take. But he was very honest. Mm. We sat in the cage, him smoking his Marlboro lights, mm. and me watching him in awe going, this guy's fucking hot shit. You know, he's real hot shit. Then I'm at Hado and I'm like, oh my God, I want him to be my daddy. I wish Hayden would be my dad, but he terrifies me. And then I see how kind he is. And I'm like, there's still hope for me yet. There's actually a nice chef. You know, Yes, he wasn't running the path like Kyle was, but Kyle had to run at that intensity to run two restaurants at, you know, before he's really 30, you mm. know. Man, can you imagine that? Like being like his age doing that? Like he's an enigma, man. Like he was, Sorry, if I didn't have yeah. the alcohol and the drugs in my system, I feel like I would be on par with Kyle. Mm. Like then, like I feel like I really would have been on par with Kyle. And I really, I did see a future with me and Kyle where I felt like we were going to be like the best frenemies where we were like top to top. I wanted to compete with Kyle because he was the best. I wanted to have a restaurant next to Kyle, but I wanted to build my own brand, something so far out of his realm of what he knew mm. that I wanted him to see me go, I've learned a new, I've learned a new culture. I've learned a new food. Mm. I've set up the business. I've got a chain of them. Da, 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 da. I wanted to be like Mama Fuku over here, oh, a white man. Right. Yeah. And I wanted to invite David. Ch I had these illusions of this dream, right? And we all have. You know, and I just wanted to then go back and sit down with Kyle and have a beer and go, we fucking made it, bro. Yeah. You know, that's that's what I've always wanted with Kyle. And I actually, there's still, I have this big, long written thing that I need to talk to him about. But half of the shit I'd never want to say to his face because it's like, I'm very proud. He's very proud. And like, I just don't want him to know how Not much. Not in that moment um, now. <laughs> in yeah. all sincerity, yeah. if he hadn't given me the opportunity and the chance to meet a family of depot, I actually wouldn't be on this planet. Mm. And like, I can honestly say, oh, I'm getting emotional. Um, if it wasn't for him and Andrew and Al and yeah. all those guys, like honestly, when I heard Al on his um, on his on the podcast that I was on, sick leave as well, yeah. talking about mental health and being adopted, like yeah. I felt more closer to Al than I'd ever been wow. because I never really talked to Al. I always said something awkward to him. I remember when Michael Bublé was in, and I just went, "Hey," and he was beside me on the oyster station Shocking. i was freaking yeah. out because yeah. i didn't want him to see me make one bad one yeah but then i'm looking at buble going fuck it's fucking buble and then yeah. he's like it's michael buble you know being being out just like yeah, michael yeah. Buble. and i'm like yeah. he fucking spoke to me but he didn't say my name oh my fucking god he spoke to me oh my fucking god he spoke to me and i'm like how do i respond in not a really awkward manner and i just went i'm so gay for buble al 
And then he just looked down at me and just like, and I was like, oh, <laughs> fuck, he hates me. My one chance to impress Al. And I just fuck it up. I ruined the Orongo oyster. And then I say gay for Buble. <laughs> like of all things that could come out of my head at that moment. I'm like, oh, Jamie. Oh, you just insulted <laughs> all your friends who are in that community. Yeah. And then you've just told everyone how much you love Buble. Like, because you have all his albums at home. Because you like crooners, because your dad likes an archer. So I'm just sitting there going, oh, God, you're a lame But honestly, <laughs> in all fair due, if it wasn't Hado, Al Brown, that whole institution, everyone that was in that restaurant at that time when I was there, mm. like, I honestly wouldn't be on this planet. You wouldn't be speaking to me now. And I'm sure my adoptive parents would be asking themselves what they had done wrong that I had given in to mm. my demons, which was just pride and mm. lust and anger and basically all the... You know, you know how everyone goes, oh, I'm a bit greedy today. And they've got mm. one sin. Like mm. I had fucking all of them. If you if you call it a sin or a gluttony, or what, I had all of them. Yeah. And I was doing all of them really well. Um, and then I lost my voice. Mm. You know, I lost heart. I lost my heart in cooking. I lost just my soul. I lost my taste mm. for food. I lost my smell for food. I lost, I lost that feeling of feeling like I love that sensation of burning my hand because mm. I felt alive. You know, I lost all of that. I had none of it. I was numb, numb all throughout judge Bell because I hadn't dealt with my shit mm. and sadly Deb had to take that on her shoulders you know mm. which is never fair to anyone you know and she's not from our industry and I'm treating her like I'm fucking Marco Pierre White and she's just a normal human being right and I'm being a yeah. real dick as well and I mean we weren't you know I, I was really bad like I'll just say I was really bad anyway and then moving on from that you know like ungraciously I I, I you know you know I, I went on to the next thing you know but when I was surrounded by all the vulnerable people uh, everybody eats everyone kind of assumed that I'm just this white guy you know from mm. England and I must be posh because I'm from England and I'm white and I played up to it again <laughs> I did it again even though that tormented me I did that and then it was only when I sat down with the next gang member yeah. and he called me brother we're sitting down we're talking he told me his life story mm. and every note just hit me in the heart like mm. I was like oh I was in a children's home and he goes what and then yeah. he, he just didn't know that about me he, he just thought I'm another chef who's yeah. done well for himself and I'm just another white guy trying to help yeah like the downtrodden you know like a really bad Jesus right mm. sorry blasphemy but, like, <laughs> but then like um there I am sitting there you know with this guy telling me his life story I'm like oh that happened to me and he's like what and I was like yeah in the children's home and he's like oh yeah. and he's like that happened to me I was like oh that happened to me and I was like yeah. da, da, da. and then I'm trying not to like kill his truth and his story yeah. that he's telling me but then I'm like oh my god that happened to me mm. oh my god I didn't know my dad oh my god like yes I had a good adoptive parent but I wasn't very good to them, you know. I mean, I love them to bits, and mm. like I am their son through and through. Um, but you know, I, I I still feel guilt for what I put them through for my mm. teenage years, my chef years, and you know, kind of into my thirties. <laughs> now I call mum every Sunday, oh, every Sunday, and we have so a good, good talk. Well, I try, I try. Yeah. If I mess up, but yeah. I still, you know, I probably call her two more times. Yeah. But um, being being out of the kitchen for a little bit, like I've been. Mm -hmm. and supporting all you guys and doing stuff like that and feeling like a hypocrite falling from grace coming back from it mm. going deep really deep in because i've done mental health i've tried every drug every drug to fix me i've done all the physical work you know i got really fit you know i looked really good mm. um i then started eating well da -da -da. Mm. still couldn't sleep or dream which is kind of weird because i hadn't had a dream in like 10 years wow. or i had insomnia for about 15 years so i'm just chomping down back pain pills every pill for every ailment mm. 
Mm. And then during Judge Bell, what a lot of people didn't know was mm. behind do- closed doors. When I was finishing shifts, I was literally just walking in the house, trying to make a cup of tea or something, or just a drink of water. And I was just passing out, blacking out for no reason. Mm. Didn't know why. But what I realized was it was a manifestation of all the shit that, you've that been, I carried, yeah. all my baggage and everyone else's baggage for that matter. Mm. I took everyone's shit on to try and help them in their life. Yeah. And I was just more, I was like a camel, you know, just having more and more shit packed onto me and packed onto me and packed onto me. Mm. I'd lost my race, my heritage, my, um, my Englishness, mm. my, you know, uh, my Judaism side, the Buddhist side, the Christianity side, you know, and like, I don't know if I am religious now or whatever I am, but I really truly believe that like I was a really bad atheist mm. because I was saying, oh, fucking, ugh, if you believe in God, that's just stupid. You believe in yourself because you're a chef and you fucking move forward. You know, yeah. Basic stupid, you know, which is true in a sense. You have to believe in yourself before yeah, you, you can do. believe in anyone else. Right. Yeah. So I did always believe that I don't want to hold up false idols. So especially with young chefs, I never tell them to go for that chef who's, hot shit right now but he's an absolute dickhead i will never send mm. a chef over to them when they're at that stage because you won't learn anything and you'll just be abused yeah so even then when opened up to the idea that i was like i have an f i'm just like, all i'd ever tell myself is i'm dyslexic i can't i'm adhd i'm not very good at this or i'd be like i've got ocd i, I have control issues mm. or be on this or is like, don't touch me because i don't like men touching me but i can't mm. tell you why and mm. you know like it's like do you know what I mean? Like so all these things that were hindering me. Like when I went to the gym, it's quite a personal story, this one, but when I used to go to the Fair. gym, I loved going to the gym, pumping iron and like getting real fit and just watching my body grow to become strong. Like I thought I was right. You know, my body was strong, but mentally I was still that same arrogant little prick, you know, but That's I looked why good. We stay in the gym for four hours. Oh yeah. 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 I was going five times a week, three times a day. And, oh, it's intense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had a personal trainer at that time, but I'd finished what up with him. It? Going. <laughs> but he used to be a chef as well, and he saw me when I was trying to get fit. Yeah. I was fat, basically, then. So I call it Fat Jamie. And I don't have photos. I do have a photo of him. I look at him, and I celebrate his birthday now. Yeah. Uh, fat Jamie and how he went, because I was the most miserable I'd ever been. I was eating lots. I was eating my feelings, basically. So I had issues with binge eating from being in the children's home. So I've had binge eating, purging... I've done the whole throw up thing, kind of not really bulimic, but I mean, when it came to booze, like to get more booze in, Mm. you throw it up and you carry on. Right. So I've had some really bad coping mechanisms from my beginnings, but you know, when you're fighting two for now to get some food or your only possessions are a black bin bag with maybe a teddy bear in it and your sister socks, Mm. you really learn the value of like when I bought that knife or I got gifted a knife for my first ever big boss over here. I took that mentality with me. And then when I went to Hong Kong, I learned about like giving a knife. Oh yeah, I saw and, that. That's so okay? good. Yeah. Um, that's happened to me all throughout my career. And mm-hmm. I've never really shown people what really happened. So the reason why mm-hmm. I did that video, and I did get called out by one guy who was like, bro, most of us just do it in our kitchen. So we're not like trying to make a big deal what? about how oh good we God. are. And I was like, I was like, bro, I've heard about your reputation. You're a dick. So yeah. I know you don't even do that in your kitchen. You can barely wash your own fucking hands. Yeah. Okay, not my best reaction, but he needed to know that yeah, he's yeah. not hot shit and he's a piece of shit, actually. And I've heard what his staff say about him. So, yeah. But he can call me out all he wants, right? But yeah. I'm not going to talk about that. But he's he's not really anyone we should watch out for, to be fair. And I think he's probably going to leave the industry soon because he's just 
not in it for the right reasons. But um, me not bagging another chef because that's really, really bad. I hold myself accountable for that. But, you know, people need to know their place if they've been addicted. Yeah. But, um, so um, what was what was I um, getting at before I got sidetracked? I was saying, I always do this, don't I? Get sidetracked. Um, but, um, uh, basically, um, Saying because you were like very thankful for like having uh, the family with like with the deeper uh, yeah, team. Yeah, yeah. Like if I didn't have that, like I wouldn't have learned how to be who I am now. Like and like yeah. I literally have people who don't know how to cook come in my kitchen every day and somehow I don't freak out at them. Mm. And I love it because mm. it's fun. And actually like one of my volunteers taught me how to make mozzarella and I've never made it before and he's Italian and I was like I think you oh. posted that. Yeah. yeah. Oh so posting that thing on socials, right? Yeah. So I wanted to show it, like, to show pure intention of this kid I've been talking to for ages and he's had racism, all this shit at work, and he's been telling me about it, right? And he, he was just one of the MIT kids that I saw mm. coming in and I knew he was going to be cheeky. Straight away, the first thing he said to me is when we wearing my red bean, classic red beanie yeah. for protection, you know, all that shit, and my, my chef gear. And he's like, he's like, comes in like that. He's like, hey, chef, you know, when can I come in and, like, uh, wear whatever I want? I was like, when you've done 25 years in the industry... And uh, you've had at least one write-up like that. That's why I said to him with a big smile on my face. <laughs> and all the other chefs went, oh, without thinking I'm being a dick. But yeah. he got it and he smiled and he just uh. went, and he was like, I'm going to show you Asian cuisine. And I said, I think you're going to learn something off me, big boy. And yeah. he's like, you don't know. And then we had one conversation about like mm. a home dish. Like, and I picked specifically a home Cantonese dish because I knew he was oh. from Guangzhou because I hear He's got like a twang, right? It's and I was like, different, oh, I'm sure. yeah. Yeah. And I was like, he's not Hong Kong, but I know he knows quite a bit about that. So yeah. I just mentioned one dish to him and I just said it in my very bad kind of, I call it Canto Mandanese because it gets a bit mixed up because I get confused. Yeah. Right. So it's like Canto Mandanese, man- yeah. Mandarinese, as I call it, right? Because yeah. it's really, really bad, right? And I just said one word and they just looked at me and it's something his mum cooked and it's just his eyes. And I was like, wow. And I looked at him yeah. like that and I just walked up and I went, let's talk later. And I walked up and he's like, he's like, chef. How you know this? It's like no yeah. white man knows this, and I was like, I'm a different kind of white man, you know. And then like we just hit it off, and he for me taught me about ethnicity because he said to me the other day he was like, I went to you know English school in China mm. in Guangzhou, and he was like, they kept on telling me to change my name to Michael, and he's like, I'm not changing my name to Michael. My name's Meng. Who mm. the fuck can't say Meng? That's like me when I'm going. Why can't you say Jamie Robert? It's my fucking name. Yeah. Like I earned that name. Not not only did I not get gifted that name from birth, I then did get a birth certificate with yeah. my adopted name. That is everything to me. And I feel like now my life, I had to earn that last name that my adoptive parents gave to me. Mm. The Jamie Robert is from a very big tradition of like the 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 Romani side where I was meant to be named after my dad, you know, so it's his, you know, it's his name. So it's like that tradition of it, you know, mm. which I, I hated my name mm. for a while and um, because, you know, and I always get the Robert in there to remind myself I don't want to be like him, mm. right? Which is, you know, that's why it's so prominent in there. I was going to hyphenate it and just make it Jamie Robert. So I always keep it with me. But now I talk to dad every day. Like I see him in my eyes and see him in the mirror every day. Mm. So I can have these great conversations with a man I never met mm. and learn to be a better man for everyone under me. You know, and mm. as much as I know what he did and what he didn't do, and I knew he was an alcoholic, right? Mm-hmm. And I always knew, like, anything that comes my way that's a stimulant, that's fun, that's, you know, a constant reward, mm. I'm addicted to it. I'm addicted to my dog. You know, I'm ad- <laughs> you know, like, I'm addicted to anything. So I, I love the fact that I had enough self-control in my life 
to deny myself the things that I know are my ruin. Mm. And I've always been able to do it, but then I fall and trip and I've always done that, you know. Mm. But as long as I'm with the right people in my life, yeah, I've realized that they're not going to be in a pub trying to pop MDMA in my mouth mm. and then just watch what fucking great reaction is going to come out of it without mm. me knowing, you know. And there is shit like that that does happen in our industry. Um, but, you know that for me was a turning point that I, I lost my way a lot because I followed the wrong idols. Mm. You know, if I'd gone under Kyle Moore and not maybe another chef, I would have, you know, I would have made him more proud of me, you know, because all I ever wanted was just that one look of approval from Kyle to go, nice hot chef. Yeah. You know, like, but I knew he would, he could, he knew as well that he could beat me up more than all the other chefs in the kitchen. I could take it. And I let him, I let him to do his thing if he needed to let mm. up some steam because I knew he could batter me mm. mentally, verbally, whatever, because I've already played those games. It didn't affect me. Mm. Emotionally, if he had said something about my mum, mm. I would have floored him mm. in, a, in a moment. Um, you know, because no one mentions my family. Like, it's mm. very personal to me. My yeah. private life is very personal. So that's why I never told anyone about it. You know, mm. like, and opening up about it now is a, a way of me redeeming those kind of thoughts and memories and you know i i, I want to write a book about my experiences as a chef to help young chefs go through Definitely. depression anxiety ocd what binge eating mm. sexual harassment yeah you know i feel um, like I, that's what i've got like i didn't go into like taking drugs and everything like that but i'm so proud of you for that that you you or even to... like like i would socially smoke once or twice but yeah because you look so odd with a cigarette yeah you, know, like, <laughs> you look like it was so far because oh, I, like, I remember oh, walking past you and we're all smoking <laughs> cigarettes like we've been smoking all our life and you're there like making it like like <laughs> you're smoking this cigarette like it's this beautiful little thing and we're just like eating them you know like so I knew you went a smoker. Yeah, I like, I can't, like, my body. But I think one thing for me is just, like, alcohol and, um, yeah, more intimacy sexual. Just wanted to pop in here, um, just on this part of the episode um just we just talk about how it's kind of important um of how like important how it is important to be trained by like great chefs because i've also learned in my experience that if you work with good chefs great chefs you learn so much more and how to be like it's same you if you go to someone who's very good successful mentor and business you would rather go to that person right so here i think i explained about how i was in a, a different restaurant where i didn't really last longer than six months because but it was like named after uh one of the top of chefs called Josh and Matt and uh that was like the main reason I kind of wanted to work for but I guess like in that time when I was there I he wasn't really there because he was doing other other like job other restaurant other because he owned lots of different restaurants and I know that he has one down in Queenstown as well so like I think I think I was there and 
it was very good opportunity for her, me to work one of the functions and he was there it was really like one of my good memories but like I think yeah I just want to pop that in there and to say that it is very important whatever you do not just in the chef industry but whatever you do like even uni like um going for lectures that they if you want to learn more knowledge or or even like um now for me like I feel like following or like lecturers or people that who is doing their PhD studies or I really want to join them and like you know learn from them so I guess that's what I'm coming from yeah enjoy the rest of the episode Two, two or three events and out of those events I think I was with them for two events but yeah. I was always like it's, on the pass and, and, yeah. and doing salads so it wasn't like big but like yeah. I saw him like go uh, actually like gone crazy on him to my um Korean mate um, oh, he was on the yeah. fish it's really nice to hear you like talk about him like a human being like a chef because like i hide him up higher i hold him up at such high regard like as one of our greatest new, new zealanders you know mm. and a chef who went to london survived like a ramsey and came back you know but um i've always admired him i love his poise his grace yeah i know it sounds quite feminine to say that about a guy but just he has this silent confidence that I always wish I had, mm. and like Michael Meredith has, who tutored me for a bit. Mm. Uh, but I always feel like I'm this loudmouth little ruffian. I'm still that young kid to them, like in the, yeah. in the sense that for Michael, when I look at Michael, like he's only one between Al Brown, Josh Emmett. I've never worked with Josh Emmett, but yeah. like if I met them in public, you would see me go so subservient and so quiet and so mm. like in awe of their position as a chef and how they hold themselves because mm. they hold themselves like to me, it's like a kung fu movie. I feel like. For everyone, I'm Bruce Lee. Mm. I'm just like fucking all, all high energy. Want everyone happy. I'm like, yeah, fucking yeah, I fucking do it, yeah, you know. And then you've got like, you've got them, the three ip man. That's yeah. what I call them, the three ip, ip man. man. You know, they just hold themselves with great poise and grace, and they just stand there. They give you the look. You know, you're in trouble. They give you the other look. They know, you know, they're proud. They have that aura that which I wish I one day can get to, but I'm still going through this post like. I'm sober thing. So I'm a bit like where so you're again, just you know, process. But, yeah. But I'm like where Russell Brand was where he, you know, went through sobriety oh, yeah. and he was so happy about being happy in life that he's not on heroin anymore. Yeah. That you know, we're a bit too intense. So I I realise that I need to abide my time a bit before yeah. I would be able to stand side by side with mm. a Josh Emmett and talk to him and not embarrass myself or him in our industry. Mm. So for me, like that's why I haven't reached out to someone like Josh yet professionally because i really want to jump in his kitchen one day just learn shit from him one day just because that's what chefs do you know we can stage but it's not because i want to take it away and learn it. i just want that memory of being mm. in a kitchen on the fish section again and just having chew me up for one day and just tell me that my fish is terrible i just want that moment of loss of control again where i feel like a kid again and i'm in yeah. awe of him looking at him thinking he's gary rhodes you know just going so, you know, that's what he looks like to me. And I know when that chef, and I've been that chef when I had Judge Bow and I'm running around doing events and yeah. three other events and I'm on a scooter wheeling over. When when the girls or the guys saw me come in, they're like, 
oh, Jamie's here. And then everyone's like, oh, fuck, 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 come on your bench, come on your bench. Yeah. And I loved that feeling of going, oh, they love me. <laughs> you know, they really respect yeah. me. And But I never thought I was a Josh Emmett. Like, I, didn't, I looked at Josh Emmett going, fuck, he's got everything I'm not. He's got everything I'm not. I'm just like, I'm a terrible businessman. I'm a terrible mentor. I'm a piece no. of shit. Like, I just hurt people. I'm a drunk. Like, what if he heard in the industry that there I am, you know, had an argument with my partner and I've just done acid on K-Road, partying with my friends. They're yeah. all, like, in their 20s, going to bars, getting fucking lit on, like, 16 Negronis and then trying to walk home and then just ending up in just, like, a park sitting by myself crying because I'm all these things with people. And at the same time, while tears are welting and I'm pouring my eyes out, I've probably got a message from a chef in the UK that I worked with going, hey, man, how did you deal with the whole depression thing? You know? oh, and I'm yeah, sitting there yeah. bawling my eyes out because my life is falling apart because I'm not... I'm not nowhere near Josh Emmett, Al Brown, or Michael Merritt. I feel like, I know, how stupid is that, right? Mm. And I'm going, I'll never be able to hold myself up to Nick Honeyman. You know, I'm meant to be their age group, and I'm meant to be where he is. And mm. why am I not Nick Honeymoon? Why am I not, you know, fucking all these guys I'm looking up to? Why am I not his head chef, Zenon? Why am I not mm. fucking Mikey Ball, like one of the most creative, mm. um, like, drinks makers? And they're like, I'm just like, why, 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 why? And then when I stop saying what, why, and I start saying, what can I do to change yeah, this? It's like... Jamie, you've literally been living in your head in the past. You're a scared five-year-old boy that can't get changed in the gym because you're scared that someone's going to attack you or hurt you, jump you, abuse you. You know, like you can't you can't fully give yourself to a woman because you're not man enough. Hmm. Like all these things are going through my head and I'm going, what the fuck, man? And there I am tripping away on acid, which was fantastic. Never, <laughs> do, never do it again because I'm an obsessive compulsive. So I cleaned basically my whole flat at like... Mm. 3 a.m. While, while my poor partner was asleep and she's like, what the fuck are you doing? And I'm trying to convince her I'm drunk and she knew that I wasn't drunk. Uh, and then she's like, who have you been with? And I was yeah. like, oh, who have you been out with? And I was like, oh, no. And it was one of the kids working for me who, oh, yeah. who actually, um, actually, I won't say anymore because I don't want to get in yeah, trouble, but he, um, <laughs> but he was working for me at the time. And um, to see him now where he's at, mm. like come through all of that. And I, I was older and should have mentored him better and I shouldn't have mm. been the one going oh god give me a bit give me a bit you know yeah. i shouldn't have done that to him i yeah. was in my 30s and he's 26 mm. that was really fucked of me to do that mm. but to see him now where he's at now That's i'm so proud, proud of him and i know i can go into that restaurant and i get the best damn service because he's there and i love him to bits and i'm so proud of him but you know if i hadn't had that moment of mm. like wondering why i'm not the next one of those people and there i am tripping my way off on acid mm. and like 16 negronis which I don't know how I held that down. Uh, <laughs> and then, and then, well, cause I used to just go bar to bar to bar and then, then I'll be, you know, probably going and eating something cool on K road. But then yeah. I'm talking to like Bridget, one of the girls that worked for me, you know, I'm like, Hey Bridget, how are you, man? Like, I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm a piece of shit. I'm like, so sorry. I'm a terrible boss, you know, and like I'm really trying da da da. And she kind of knew that I was struggling in my relationship with my work, you know, with, what that comment was to me that I'm I'm insulting someone's Chinese cuisine. Mm. Like all these things were just sitting in me and I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I can't be this guy anymore. I just I've got to be me. And like the thing is, who is me? Yeah. You know, who is me? Yeah. I'm not Josh Emmett. I'm not I'm not that guy. Like I I'm not Michael Meredith, you know, I'm not that guy. But you then haven't I haven't found your identity yet. But then yeah, like and then one day, like strangely out of all people, I yeah. catch up with Ben. It's been five years since I spoke to Ben because the last time I spoke to him, I was sleeping on his couch because I had mm. an argument, right? And I was so upset to go to someone younger than me's house and go, look, bro, I'm losing it all. Mm. I'm losing it all. I don't know what to do. I I, I, 
I'm losing my mind. Everything's wrong. I'm in so much pain everywhere. Mm. I'm passing out. I don't know what to do. My throat hurts. I can't speak. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? The doctor says I've got a fine bill of health and there's nothing wrong with me. And she doesn't want to put me on antidepressants. And I'm like begging her to give me drugs. Yeah. And no one's giving me drugs. I'm like, what the mm. fuck? Like, what yeah. is this country coming to? <laughs> little, little did I know. Yeah. Um, ben comes over mm. and I'm just sitting there all sheepish. And he's looking at me and I'm like, I'm so sorry for what I did. And he's like, what did you do? I was mm. like, I disappeared for five fucking years. Mm. And he's like, oh, it's okay, bro. I was like, is it? Is it? You've just had a two-year-old daughter and I've not even been in her life. Mm. I could have been the best man at your wedding like we promised each other. I could have been all these things for you mm. and I wasn't. You know, I wasn't that guy for you. And and having to apologise to him for, like, being an Whoa. idiot again, and like, was hard enough. Knowing that I'd done that to a business partner and, and that person, you know, so that mm. was really, really hard. You know, oh, I'm all right, I'm all right. Uh, you know, thank you. Though. But, like, yeah, that, that was really hard to uh, and a bit of pill to swallow. I'm there with my mate begging for forgiveness for him to take me back and be my only friend in New Zealand, you know, mm. like, even though I've got all these mentors, but he was my brother that I needed all the time on the line. He gave me confidence to get mm. on the line because I knew how good he really was. He was so much better than me on the line, but I wanted to prove to him that I could still be the daddy, you know, that I'm still the daddy mm. in the kitchen and that he was my little boy. You know, he was my kid and I've always been a dad and I didn't realize how good I was at being a dad to all these fucking realize I'm being this good to all these degenerate boys in the kitchen and I'm mm. giving them at least a life and I'm telling them don't do crack don't go to the strippers stop getting escorts you know just mm. like sort your shit out you know to, to all the young chefs that have come through my way but then you know like I'm not living authentically because I'm a hypocrite I'm taking drugs I'm drinking myself mm. stupid I I can't remain faithful to my partner and if I am remaining faithful to my partner I'm emotionally cheating or I'm mentally cheating mm. or I don't know what I'm doing wow, I'm I don't so... know what's going on in my head you know like there's all this yeah. noise and the thing what I realized was all that noise in my head was me it was a sign that someone was telling me some shit right and they're just like all the noises and the voices in my head yeah. and all that craziness and that loudness and that stimulant was just a voice saying Jamie mate like you, you've been close to death quite a few times now, buddy. Like, Nothing. I know you wanted to be James Dean when you were little and your parents had that video store and you're watching James Dean movies <laughs> going, I want to join the 27 Club. That was my goal as a five-year-old kid. Fucked mm. up, right? I wanted to join the 27 Club. I wanted to be the best fucking thing I could be. Didn't matter what it was. Mm. 27, I'm gone and I've left a legacy. So my adoptive parents would be proud of me. That's mm. mad, right? To show them how much they showed me. But I wanted to do it short, bright, and fast. Wow. And now I sit here and laugh about it with Beyond Chefs going, now I'm nearing fucking 40 and nothing can fucking kill me. It's driving me nuts. I put so much shit in my body. Yeah. How the fuck am I still here? Mm. And obviously there's a reason. And mm, it's yeah. my heart. It was the one thing that I thought was my weakness, my compassion. It wasn't. The reason why I walked out of many kitchens, the reason why I squared up to chefs who were twice the size of me, the reason why I embarrassed, humiliated, said mm. horrible things about people was because of what they did to that person. I wanted them to feel exactly mm. all the things I felt growing up as a child, all my pain, all my hurt, everything. I would humiliate people to the point where a grown man is in tears. Mm. But the intention was that you've just hurt a young waitress's feelings. Mm. She's studying at university to be a fucking lawyer. She's going to probably have to defend you one day, dickhead. Yeah. You know, so I'm just sitting there going, be nice. Mm. You know, like, yes, you're stressed. Yes, we're angry. Yes, you're this. Mm. But still, try and break through. Try and break through, even though I'm a hypocrite, you know. But I think 
you know, now I'm now I've got to this age, mm. like where I'm literally two years away from forty. I still look twenty. I yeah. don't know how I don't look like you don't you worse, don't look... right? You know, like, and I just started... I feel like you're getting younger. <laughs> I know, like, I, I do feel like Peter Pan. Like, I'm really lucky. I feel like I'm reliving my twenties and my forties. People call it a midlife crisis, but the funny thing is. When you look at that guy wearing a real loud shirt in his 40s walking down the street and he's really genuinely happy, you know what that is? He's spiritually awakened mm-hmm. and that could be religion or spirit. Or spirit you know, any, you know? Yeah. I just embraced my ethnicity and boom, everything came to me. Mm. I had people speaking to me, man, that I've never heard of before. Mm. I, had, I had just, like, I'll tell you a story and this is, I, I wasn't sure if I was going to share the story because I feel like people don't think I'm fucking full of voodoo and I'm weird now, right? And like people are going to think of me like Pete Evans, where he went down that route of trying to be like anti-vax. And I don't want to bad bad name him because I loved him as a chef when he was younger. I, I don't know so much about his views now. I think mm. I don't know, mm. but like I, I still value him as a really good chef, right? So yeah. So even though I've used him in a bad and a good context, I feel yeah. like we're all yin and yang in a sense, yeah. right? So I am both as good as I am as bad, right? So I can see the bad that he's doing. And, but he, he's preaching a mission that he believes in, right? So I appreciate his passion, but maybe he's wrong. Maybe he's right. I'm not a dietitian. I don't know. Mm. Um, so that being said, you know, like for me, fuck, where was I going with this? Um, I just, to be, to be who I am now, yeah. truly who I am now, I realized, you know, spiritually, I have to be awakened. Um, mentally, I, I can't have a spirit, you know, like, so alcohol and spirits read i read this filipino um thing that someone mentioned to me once and they said you know like the reason why filipino believe in spirits is because like you know if we drink spirits we stop seeing the spirits mm. now really weird when i was younger i saw heaps of fucking ghosts mm. and really weird shit and i was in children's homes but i saw and heard and talked to a lot of things that didn't exist mm. people thought i had an imaginary friend some people mm. thought i was psychotic Mm. So you can imagine what meds I might have been given as a kid, right? Mm. But literally, I'm actually talking to a little girl from the 1800s. Proper scary, proper weird, right? So I can understand why I drowned myself in drugs and stuff to stop the noise. Oh, right, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So I guess being Romani or maybe being Gypsy links me to that. Mm. I don't know, but I'm very blessed because I hear some really crazy shit now. But I can actually visualize and see my greatest friends and frenemies and enemies happier or whatever, I can actually see their lives getting better. I can see them coming together with people. Mm. I hear things. And it's. It, I feel That's nuts, so right? Cool. And I know it sounds like I'm an unmedicated no, no, no. person who's just become sober, but having spirituality really helped me. So I've unlocked all the other things, you know, so my heart, my throat. That's mm. when my throat went down. That's when yeah. my heart went down. All these things that a doctor couldn't find out were yeah. all blockages from my pain. And all that was happening was just my such intense buried pain um mm. coming out and emulating as that right mm. so um, i'm wearing this little amulet today and i'll show you what it is it's um this little jade yeah. amulet now um flora gave that to me to help me read one night because mm. i was really struggling to read like a roald dahl book i love roald dahl right so sitting there trying to read it and i'm struggling and i used to love roald dahl because i can understand how he writes because he must have been dyslexic of some kind because the way mm. he writes just you know i get it Mm. And the words just make sense and the world is full of wonder. Mm. So then from there, I'm sitting there trying to read this book, rubbing this thing, right? Just yeah. Like, come on. Come on. I've got my glasses on. I've got the yellow page over. Yeah. I felt like I'm going to use that word again, the R word. Mm. I felt that. I'm not actually going to say it. I felt 
the R word again that yeah. I was told at school because that's what they made me feel like. They made me feel very special. Yeah. Sitting there with all this equipment on to make me understand that I could read. But then they never taught me to read. They didn't mm. teach me. If they had just said, Jamie, if you read it once, read it twice, read it three times over, mm. we'll understand the words. Mm. No, they just said, it's reading, Jamie. Come on. Anyone can do yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, real helpful. Yeah. So, obviously, then one night, yeah, I've just hit my lowest low, and I've just drunk my last glass of red wine. Mind you, I only had two that night, but I'm sitting with Flora. She's sipping her wine, having a giggle at some TV she's watching, and I'm just thinking about my dad, how he abandoned me, mm. how I was in a children's home, how I got assaulted mm. verbally, mentally, sexually, every 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 form of abuse you can imagine I've had. And for a man, it's very degrading. So I don't know how, like, I'm so compassionate now, but maybe it's because I suffered all those things that I'm compassionate now. But I, I dealt with that and kitchen. So being bullied in the kitchen was fun. Because mm. I was like, oh, bro, keep going. Give yeah. me another one, because I've heard it all. But if you called me gypsy, that's why I never told them. If you said something about my mum, mm. man, I'm going to kill you. Literally, mm. physically kill you. So going through that, I realised that... Um, I'm struggling. I'm trying to read. I haven't read a book in 10 years. Mm. I flipped, flipped through books and I got ideas and I was, everything was video oh. to learn. Right. So then, uh, it really didn't help me learn anymore. So I shut my brain off as well. Mm. So I wasn't growing mentally. So I was going back to being a kid and I went to that scared little kid mm. and I had to get rid of him. I had to kill him. I literally, I know it sounds bad, but I had to kill that scared little kid. And there's mm. two ways I can kill him. Mm. One, I do it myself mm -hmm. and everything goes, mm. which you know, is a horrible thought to ever have in your head. Two, I just drown my sorrows to the point where I drown them out, which again, I'm probably going to die. Or I just take so many drugs that he spiritually leaves me somehow, you know, through me throwing up or whatever the fuck it is. Like, mm. I don't know, you know, these were my answers. These are my tools that mm. I had, or I'll just have sex with as many women as I can, as many gorgeous women hopefully some of them are famous to, mm. to, to um, help my ego. And I feel mm. quite awkward saying that to you as a woman. I, I hope I didn't make you feel like, <laughs> you know, that I'm an absolute perv because that makes me feel really uncomfortable yeah. saying that, you know, like no. to a woman. But, you know, I, I feel like I should be honest with it. You know, so yeah, that's... Just, what... I, love, I just love anything just honestly. It's honest. It's the... Yeah. So, like, you know, saying that, you know, like doing, doing that then made me realise that, I've got a long way to go. I've, I've got to sort myself out. And so those things aren't serving me well, right? So one, I don't want to hang out and do drugs anymore. And like, if I ever imagined Michael Meredith or Josh Emmett or Al Brown seeing me roll out of a fucking club, high as fuck on whatever drugs, I would be mortified. And I would expect them to never, ever open a door for me, talk to me again mm. professionally. I would expect them to shun me, like for really degrading the name of chefs everywhere mm. especially when i'm in a position where i'm meant to be helping people yeah and, um then sorry yeah sorry and then um just you know that 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 was enough and then yeah. when i sat down and had that last glass of wine it was only two glasses of wine but i yeah. noticed how i drank i watched everyone around me i watched everyone you know yeah. i watch people drink and they just sit and they're like <laughs> Yeah, uh, a slow. Yeah, yeah. And there's me after service sculling a one glass of very expensive red wine after another like that, just mm. to scull a whole glass. I'm not tasting it, not enjoying uh. it. I'm just getting it down there so I can get that buzz. As soon as I feel that buzz of being slightly drunk, I'm like, yeah, 
oh, the pain's gone. You know, oh, what a relief. That's my yeah. band aid. I'm like, oh, I stopped thinking about dad. Mm. Stop thinking about that. Then the next morning I wake up and I'm just like, oh, I feel terrible because I'm hungover. But then all the thoughts, the feelings come back because they're just, you, I'm sober yeah. again. Right. So, you know, me learning that those two glasses of wine mm. were my problem because I wasn't drinking heavily because no. Flora helped me not do that. But like, mm. there I am sculling two glasses of red wine to feel pissed mm. just to go to bed. I was like, shit, okay, this is dangerous now. Like, and I'm, I'm, I'm two years away from 40. There's only two things that are going to happen here. Mm. That's, like I always say, there's only two things that are ever going to happen. I'm going to go down that way or that way. And one of them, I didn't realize there's actually something in the middle called the, you know, the middle now, but I'm living in the middle now and I like the middle, you know, I'll get, to, good. The, I'll get to where I'm going, but like the middle's fine for me. Um, repetition, not perfection now, you know? So I realized that I've got to change something and I've done everything. So I was like, what else is there to do? Mm. So I ordered this book of this guy that I secretly followed called Jimmy Hunt. Mental health advocate is, is a legend. He's mm. a beautiful human being and I love him so much. Saved my life as well read his book inside out mm. whoa man like jesus christ did i cry did i have anxiety did i shake did i vomit did i what? did i just literally melt down on the floor and curl into the fetal position because i had to address some serious shit i had to write down my life story i don't want to give away too much of his book because you should buy his yeah. book. like i'm not plugging in because he's paying me but seriously if you really want to get to know yourself and become self-aware which i was yeah. not jesus christ so, yeah, you know like let me know <laughs> the book the book yeah. i'll show you the book later okay. before you go but honestly changed my life because i've done all these other programs but i still slipped up because they weren't enough for me mm. i needed him to make me tell myself the brutal truth mm. so then that night like this is going to be really triggering by the way like this bit okay i looked at flora we've we, we've been engaged a while i looked at yeah. flora um i looked her dead in the eye got really drunk, went to the bathroom, mm. threw up about three or four times, hyperventilated, panicked, fell mm. to my knees, shut the door, cried, didn't let her in. Mm. She's the only woman that's ever hugged me while crying because I don't like that. But now I do it all the time to everyone. So I cry and hug everyone now. So it's great. <laughs> sorry sorry yeah. if I do. But um, I was in the bathroom and then I come out and I'm just like, just, just distraught. I look at her. And she just knows I need to say something because she knows I can't lie to her. Like mm. I physically can't lie to her. Mm. So even when I said, I'll never say I love you to another person again, I was busting at the scene. She thought I wanted to break up with her. And mm. one day I just looked at her and I said, I fucking love you. Okay. I just fucking love you. Mm. And I'm going to fucking ruin it. And I just, I don't even know why you like me. And I just mm. stormed out of her flat. Like, and she's like, what the <laughs> fuck is this guy on about? And then she ran out crying pretty much like, Aww. and we just sat there on our knees crying and like, you know, she told me she loved me. I told me I love, but I actually meant it. Yeah. Because I couldn't hold it in anymore. Like I actually couldn't hold it in anymore that I love this woman after mm. like no time at all. But it was the fact that she taught me to love myself a bit, you know, a bit. And now I do. But I after that, it. after that, um, the next day I got some courage. I talked to a friend of mine who's a girl mm. and she's been through similar things I've been through. And I really opened up to her. I said, look, this is really triggering. I'm really sorry it's going to come out this way if it hurts you because I know you've been through it. Mm. I know when you did my tattoo, you talked to me about this stuff. La, 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 la. Um, can I just open up? She went, sure. Mm. Boom, floodgates. I gave her my full story, which wow. is very hard to tell people because if I told you my full story, it's basically like a three-hour long Schindler List movie. It's really long, really full of detail. 
hence why we're talking a lot. So you're going to have to edit the shit out of it, right? Sorry. <laughs> That's good. why people shouldn't interview me because I make their work hard, but you're going to have a good piece, right? So anyway, yeah. <laughs> so, then, so then I go into Flora, I look at her and I look her dead in the eyes. I'm trembling. I'm about to throw up. I'm about to throw up in my sink in the kitchen, which I showed you, just sitting there looking at her. And I kind of cornered her so she couldn't leave mm. because I was so fearful that if I tell her my truth, mm. She's going to walk out and leave me like I've always pictured in my head that no woman could be with a man that's had what's happened to him, mm. happened to him. So then there I am. I'm just looking at her, belting up, swigged a bit more wine, you know, just to get a bit of strength, you know. Yeah. And I was like, right. And I was like, I'm not going to do what I did with the whole I love you thing. I'm going to try and put no emotion into this and just say it. Yeah. Okay, so all emotion came out and then yeah. I'm a blubbering mess. And I'm just like, da 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 And I told her my story. Yeah which is basically when I was younger, my, my sister was younger, we were removed from our birth parents. Yeah. Now I've since forgiven them and I know they did the best they could do. Like mm. it's, it's hard out there, you know, you know, coming from where we came from, it's hard. And if you get out, you get out, you know, mm. and if you don't, you don't, mm. that's the mentality, you know, so it's hard. So anyway, um, Stan Walker really helped me out because I read his book and this gave me the strength mm. to talk about it. And, and I met him at Depot and sat beside him mm. and he sung happy birthday when, um, you know when they were doing that, um, the voice or the, 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 the oh, talent, yeah, the show. talent I, I, show. I can't remember yeah. what it's called, but yeah, I'm terrible with stuff. Like, but he came in, he sung "Happy Birthday" to his mentees, and he was doing the runs. And I just remember saying a really like Saki coming as a joke to yeah. myself, mate. We all know you can sing like "Happy Birthday," but do you have to do the runs and rub it in? Yeah. And he just laughed and chuckled. But yeah. I felt an instant connection to him that we're yeah. both boys of pain. Mm. I knew right then that he's got a big heart. And I knew, I looked him in his eyes and I just mm. saw, I was like, oh, you've had a hard life, eh, bro? I just looked at him. I didn't say, I didn't say anything. Yeah, and yeah. I Because there's a, there's like almost this honor code. I feel yeah. like we have, if you've struggled and had what I've had happen to me. So anyway, we were removed from my parents. We ended up into children's homes. Um, we were so bad together that we got separated, right? Yeah. And then I got told basically, I'm the safe option. So my sister gets the remaining care because she's unhelpable, but I'm safe. If I'm removed from her my mm. older sister and then I kind of took on that older sibling like I said before you know yeah. other, I don't want to mention too much about her story because it's not really fair me telling her story but she's had a really hard life I don't I I if, if I lived her life mm. and I've lived a life right I wouldn't I wouldn't have survived past 16 if, if, if I coped with, you know she was homeless women's refugees you know every bad boyfriend all the bad stuff and I kept on after service in the UK running up to see her to help her and try and buy nappies Mm. trying to adopt their kids so they didn't get put into care and mm. stuff because of her wrong partners and toxic relationships yeah anyway but um i just um sorry yeah it's it's just yeah so i i went to the floor and i just looked at her and i just said look um okay uh this is really hard because i've never told anyone this and yeah. i mean you know i've been adopted you've heard my stories i'm talking to people about and i know you hear and listen and you give me a big hug afterwards and go yeah. i can't believe you survived that you know, every mm. time she hears a new story, because there's, there's so many, you know, and they're all coming back to me now. I dream again now. I see everything and hear everything again. Being sober, it's brilliant. You know, like you remember all these beautiful memories as a kid. But the one memory I remembered was one that I blocked for all my life. Mm. And I'm not going to say names or who or what relationship they were to me. But while in care, stuff happened to a young boy that shouldn't have happened to a young boy mm. i'll just put it that way because i feel like it's really triggering i could go into detail and i talked to men a men a, a man's mentor about this you know and they always say it takes about 25 years for a man to open up about his trauma and that's pretty much similar for me as soon as i told flora that like 
I don't know what happened, but it just felt like one thing and it unlocked my heart. I'd unlocked and then I felt like it sounds really weird but like I felt non-awkward sexually mm. I wasn't debating whether I meant to be a pansexual or a bisexual or this sexual or something mm. sexual I didn't know what I was mm. and I've got a lot of gay friends mm. because I found comfort in them because they tell me all their stories of coming mm. out and what they went through and some went through what I went through yeah so when I heard their stories I can relate and I just sit there and they're like you're such a good friend for listening and I'm like I'm yeah. just listening because I want the strength to talk yeah and say my truth but yeah shit happened to me yeah. you know that I've been hiding and I always go to defend females in my life or people I really care about because, you know, the way men can be, I know what men can be like. I've been a man, but I've never, I would never show disrespect, disrespect to a woman in that format. You know, I couldn't, you know, and I think you've heard my stories of how I tried to help people throughout my life and even you and guide you that, you know, that to me is totally unacceptable. So I now, a little side project I have is I go backstage with Flora to all her gigs you know, and she's dealing with some big DJs mm. just for her to be her mental wellness person. Because I know how stressful it is to pull on a big gig for all those people expecting so much of you. And yeah. I've been at the top doing that. All I do now is just run around after her and make sure she drinks water, make sure she eats. I'm like, babe, did you tell tour, you know, your, your staff members she needs to do this? Babe, do you want me to take these over to here? I was like, mm. I'm your 2IC, tell me everything you need yeah. just to take all that pressure off her. Yeah. And that brings me so much joy mm. knowing that she has zero stress for her day. And all I'm doing is people pleasing her a bit just to help her find the confidence to not get so stressed that her stress makes her a monster like I was, mm. you know, and then I'm talking to DJs, you know, and stuff like that. And some are from the UK and they're missing home. And like I give them, like I just talk to them. I'm like, Ooh, are they? I put on the, the my English thing on and they're just like, you're English. Yes. I'm, like, I'm English. And then they're just like, fuck, I'm normal. Yeah. You know, but I'm away from my family. And I understand being away from your family and doing that stuff as well. You know, I'm not a celebrity by any means, but like I understand where that celebrity gets yeah. in your head when you're being profiled and all that stuff. So, mm. you know, for me to 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 say that to Flora and I'm like, look, I, this is why I have to be in control of everything. This is why I can't let go. This is why mm. I have to color code everything. This is why my pens are in this place. This is why I only wear black. This is why yeah. I only have three pairs of shoes. And, yeah. the, you know, this is why I think I think like Einstein. And the biggest hug came after that. And, like, she just went, you know, like, how? Mm. Like, how did I find you? You know, like, when you have been through so much yeah and then i realized this whole spiritual thing which i was getting back to this pendant yeah like that night i went to bed and flora's mum's since passed right and i remember a story of my dad telling me when my jewish nan on his side died she came to him one night to tell me everything would be all right mm. i looked at my dad and went la di da you know whatever dad that's real weird but mm. anyways mind you at this time i was working in a pub where i was seeing ghosts daily and talking to them and the woman that died there, my mum, my mum's, my friend's mum did the autopsy on the body. Mm. So she was a real live person. So I was actually talking to the lady that burnt alive in the pub every day. Oh my God. Pretty me, mad, right? And everyone thought I was nuts. They probably thought I was just on cocaine, but I yeah. was. But that was blocking my ability to hear and see things. Yeah. Right. Which is, I, I know it sounds crazy, right? And everyone's going to think I'm a fucking mad. No, like, it's interesting. I'm going to get blacklisted in the industry. It's like, <laughs> 
he's a he's a he's having a midlife crisis he thinks he's 20 and <laughs> he believes in every fucking ninja turtle in the sky you know, like, God, you know an, an optimus prime you know but no so so then so, so I've, I've always been like that so then i'm in bed i'm asleep fully asleep right yeah. fully fully asleep wearing the pendant right yeah now mind you this woman comes up to me and i was like oh fuck I'm like, and it's so vivid. I'm just like, yeah. you're, you're, you're so-and-so's mum. You know, yeah. And she's like, yes. And I'm like, oh my God, it's what my dad told me. Wow. It's what my adopted dad told me about Nan. I was like, oh God, don't fuck it up. Don't fuck it up. You meet yeah. her mum for the very, 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 very first time. Just don't fuck it up. Don't say something yeah. awkward. Don't be a dick. You know, that's going from my head. But then funnily enough, I can understand a bit of Cantonese and a bit of Mandarin from living in Hong Kong and being called all kinds of names, mm. like piece of shit and, you know, Oh, look at that white guy with an Asian girl. So you kind of get in tune to when you're being bagged on and stuff. Mm. So, or, or just generally the words you need to get by, right? So, mm. but she didn't speak Cantonese. She didn't speak Mandarin, mm. but this dialect that I've never heard before, but every word was fluent mm. that she spoke to me, right? But she was speaking Hakka, which is like a really, you know, a little small language that Flora's mum spoke. And Flora doesn't speak that. She speaks Cantonese, right? Mm. So she even doesn't understand that language until mm. she was at home with her mum yeah. back in the day. So my mum literally took me by the hand. She's walking around with me and she's like, this is where the village I grew up in. Mm. And I'm there with her where she grew up. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> and it was like this intense journey that I was having. It was really, really good. And mind you, I'm perfectly sober. There's yeah. nothing in my system apart from water and a cup yeah. of chamomile tea and a magnesium tablet, right? So yeah. that's probably the, the best I've ever done, right? Yeah. <laughs> I may have had a couple of gummy bears before bed. Maybe, just some sugar, right? Yeah. But there I am questioning everything in my head i'm like just let it happen let it happen yeah so there she is she's talking to me she goes you suffered a lot haven't you i can see your scars i can see your wounds i can see you fought hard haven't mm. you oh sorry and then um she was just like you fought enough now mm. you fought enough for her mm. and she was like you know she she kind of like gave me a blessing in, mm. in her way and she just said to me she was like look after her you're strong enough now wow you you you've taken what you've taken you've done your you know almost like hercules you've done your 12 trials you've done all this pain and she's like now it's time for you to let her love you oh. and um oh i'm so sorry um so, but then um i'm sitting there i woke oh. up the next morning yeah and i was just elated and i was like somehow she had taken away every label that i'd ever given myself in a way and i picked up a book yeah i read it back to back three times over it was a Roald Dahl book. It's a simple kid's book. And I was like, I need more. Mm. Then I started reading the Jimmy Hunt book. And I'm mm. like, oh my God, this is so hard. But then Flora walks in, sees me with this just around my neck, not rubbing it this time, just sitting there like that. Reading, and yeah. I'm reading the book. I'm halfway through the bloody book. Wow. But twice over, you know, I'm yeah. highlighting things. I'm making notes. I'm fucking in this book, like going absolutely fucking crazy. Mm. She's standing by the door, just silently crying, watching me go from the reading ability of a three-year-old to reading like a man of my age and getting so excited by words and uh, and lyrics again and music and remembering I could play piano for a band. I used to jump off stages like high as fuck and like mm. play with my mate's band. My mate went on to tour with the Ataris, like a really amazing pop punk band. Like we were, we, we could have been huge. I was a chef doing that as well. And like, mm. I can't believe all these things that I just didn't believe in myself anymore. And I love music. I love singing. I love all these things. Mm. And there I am reading this book and my, my partner's just crying, looking at me going, just so proud of me. Like I've never, I never had a partner look at me like that. 
And just that feeling knowing that I told her I was a rape victim Hmm. and she still loves me and still wants to hold me and still wants to do the intimacy. who you are. You know, but like to make yourself vulnerable, one, like sexually for someone when you'd have that happen to you, especially if it's a woman, you know, to Mm. accept the loss of control. And I remember that night, that was the same night after I... I then blurted out, I didn't want to tell her about my mum. I wanted to keep it to myself and tell our grandkids one day, but yeah. I was so excited. I told her everything. And she goes, she, I think she was a little skeptical, at yeah. first, but she's very spiritually in tune, hence why we have like these guys up, you know, these mm. things up for her and, mm. and me. I talk to them all the time now, but like <laughs> she, um, she goes, what language did she speak? She was trying to call me out. Is about oh, lying. Yeah. And I was like, well, it wasn't Cantonese and yeah. it wasn't Mandarin. And I saw her eyes and I was like, it was Hakka, I think. You know that thing that you and Cece talk, you know, when you're talking about those little yeah. snacks that you like, they were very Hakkanese and well, this shit. And she was like, her jaw just dropped. And I said, she showed me when you moved to New Zealand, why she brought you to New Zealand. You know, the reason why she well, said she was yeah, proud of us. <laughs> you know, and I was like, yeah, my arms were just like, <laughs> And I was just like, wow, is this what like living with no alcohol in my body is going to be like? I can really be the, the man I really thought I was going to be and have someone love me for all of my flaws and all the dangerous, stupid things I've done to myself, you know? Um, but just having that vulnerability with her where she could love me was enough. Mm. But then the fact that her mum okayed it, mm. for me, honour is a big thing. Like if her dad didn't accept me, we wouldn't be... You know, I, w- I would walk away because I honour his culture very greatly. And, like, I'm so proud because I said to mm. him when we first met that she, he'll be the first Chinese dad to hug a white guy. And she's like, my dad will never hug you. You'll be lucky if you get handshake. So he shakes my hand. And then the last time we saw it's him, he gave me Asian the biggest thing, yeah. hug. Like, because I think he can see what I'm doing for her and what she's mm. doing for me. And, like, to be accepted by him and his culture, knowing all the shit that I've done with Judge Bell. And, yeah. You know, like. And, well, I haven't done that much shit. I think I honoured it in the best way I knew how, is mm. what I should say. But um, knowing that was such a big moment for me. But to see her mum, like to see her since past mum, that was something else for me. I was like, oh, my God, I'm such a terrible man. I need to talk to my mum. And then now I'm connected to all my family again, connected to my dad, to my birth dad, to mm. my doctor, you know, to my whole family. I've forgiven my abusers. I've forgiven the people that hurt me. You know, I knew, I don't know what it was for them, but I'm sure it didn't make them feel good afterwards to live with that themselves. Mm. Um, but still, you know, we can only forgive and move on, you know, like, because, I mean, me being angry Doesn't, for so many years, yeah. it made me a very good cook. It's such a prick to deal with, <laughs> you know, like, you know, how could how could I ever apply for a job working for Gordon Ramsay or Marco Pierre White back in the day, or even well, Marco might have let it slide, but like, <laughs> he would have beat me down, you know? Yeah. But how could I have approached someone like a Josh Emmett and said, hey, Josh, I really want to be the best I can be and I want you to mentor me. But yeah. looking at him, I'm going, I'm so nowhere near you. You're mm. going to think I'm trash, you know? <laughs>